I would encourage you to go and get the CD or, or uh, download it online so you can get the foundation of what we talked about last week. Of course, the Word of God is clear. God created angels. He created them for a specific purpose. We looked over in Psalms 103, verse 20 and 21, if you want to jot that down if you weren't here. And in those passages of scriptures, we pointed out there's five purposes that God created angels for. To bless the Lord in worship, to do His word concerning activities on the earth, to heed the voice of God's word spoken through believers, to minister on God's behalf, and to do God's pleasure. Now tonight we're going to go a little different direction and we are going to talk about angelic protection. Aren't you thankful for the angels of the Lord that are encamped round about those who fear and reverence the Lord? Anybody in here reverence the Lord? Anyone in here say, I belong to Him. I'm one of the children of the Most High God. Well, that puts us in position to say and to declare what the Word of God says, the angels of the Lord are encamped round about me and they protect me in all of my ways. Now, I've been for the last couple of weeks or so, or longer than that, I've been going through the Bible and, and I feel sort of like uh, in my Sunday school days of, of going and reading Bible accounts of how angels intervened in the affairs of men. And it blesses me because, you know, when I see what God did even under the Old Testament, what He did in the New Testament, it just sends a thrill in my heart because I know He'll do it again. I know that He will do what is necessary to carry out His plan and His purpose. And thank God we have heavenly assistance on our behalf. But just think about some of the things that, that we see. In the, and I'll just give you a quick overview. Some of the things that angels do, have done on behalf of people down through the ages. They brought protection. They've won victory on the battlefield. They showed up as a mighty host like chariots of fire. We looked at that one last week. They've brought supernatural provision to the children of Israel. Angels closed the mouth of lions ready to attack Daniel. We'll look at that tonight. They rescued Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from the fiery furnace. Over in the New Testament, angels announced the birth of Jesus. They announced His ministry. They announced His resurrection from the dead. They broke Peter out of jail. They stood by Paul during the violent storm and the shipwreck. And we are promised that at the time when Jesus shall return, the angels are going to announce His return. Hallelujah! Woo! They're working on our behalf now, and I'm happy about it. So we want to start tonight. We want to look over into Daniel and at the account of Daniel. Now, Daniel, and we mentioned the other three Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, and, and Abednego. My little brother, we used to hear these stories all the time when we were kids. When we'd go to bed at night, not thinking about superheroes, we'd go to bed at night thinking about the children of God and thinking about Daniel and David and, and how God brought strength into their lives. They did feats of strength. Think of it. Think what David did. Hallelujah. So we don't need superheroes. We got 
superheroes right here in the Word of God. So we'd go to bed at night and we had this great big book. It was pretty big. It was just something about children's Bible stories. So every night we were read one of those stories. And I have two younger brothers, two older sisters, but my little brother Randy... I remember he, he couldn't say these guys' names. I couldn't say them either. Shadrach, Meshach. But one night he's like, Mom, can you read us that story about Shadrach, Meshach, and to bed we go. He thought it time to go to bed when we heard that story. So he thought it was, and to bed we go. But anyhow, Daniel and these Hebrew children, they were part of young men that were brought from, from Israel. They were brought into Babylonian captivity. And they excelled in wisdom. They excelled in understanding. They were so smart. And the Bible even says they were good looking. And so the, the kings of that day, they would take them and they would, they would train them. And they wanted them to be leaders in their kingdom because something was on them. You know what was on them was God was on them. And it caused them to be favored above all else. So anyway, that was Daniel's background. And Daniel, he had favor with King Darius because the Bible says he was full of wisdom and there was an excellent spirit in him. And he had so much favor that King Darius was considering putting him over his kingdom. Well, you know, anytime... God's hand is upon somebody and favor comes upon them and they start getting promoted. They start getting attention. There's always going to be somebody who's jealous. And that's what happened in Daniel chapter 6. There was this group of men that thought, that's not fair. He's not even natural born here in our kingdom and, and the king's going to promote him. We got to find something against him to bring him down. The only thing that they could find to criticize Daniel on was that he prayed to his God three times a day. Hmm, there's a thought right there. Wouldn't it be interesting if our critics, even against the church, the only thing that they could find was they love God too much. They pray too much. They worship too fanatically. That was what he was criticized for. Wow, that's something to be criticized for. Well, anyhow, the king was influenced because they came to him and it it spoke to his flesh and to his pride. These evil men came to him and they said, King, you're so mighty, you're so great, we got a wonderful idea. Let's make a statue of you, King Darius. And for the next 30 days, no one is to worship any other God and pray to any other God except this marvelous statue of yourself. Well, that fed his pride. He's like, ooh, good idea. Where do I sign the dotted line? So he made this decree and he signed it. Let's pick up the story in verse 10. The decree had been made. The decree had been signed. And in verse 10, Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home. He cried all night. He hid in his closet. He crawled under his bed. What did he do? He went home and in his upper room with his windows opened toward Jerusalem, knelt down on his knees three times that day, and he prayed and gave thanks before his God as his custom since his early days. 
He was brought out of Jerusalem as a young boy, as a young man, and he, but still, he knew God, and he loved God, and it was his custom. He'd been brought up to pray unto the Lord God Jehovah. This decree came out, and he's like, so what? I'm going to keep doing what I know to do. I'm going to keep praying to the, to the Lord God Jehovah. He was fixing to be elevated. He had this opportunity before him. This, but this elevated position did not change his spiritual position. He was not going to compromise. He wasn't going to bow his knee to any other God. No matter what the world may offer, you might find yourself in a position where somebody says, if you'll denounce God, if you'll go over here and party with us, if you'll not go to church, we'll give you a promotion. Don't compromise what you know is right. There's an old saying, whatever you compromise to keep, you're going to lose eventually anyway. So don't compromise what God's put on the inside of you. Daniel stood tall and Daniel bowed his knees. Hallelujah. Now let's look on down here in verse 14. So he continued, of course, he continued to pray. If it had been today, those evil guys would have been going around and capturing it on video and had it all over YouTube. Look what Daniel's doing. And he's not supposed to be doing this. They were really trying to catch him in something. Big deal, right? And verse 14. And the king, when he heard these words, he was greatly displeased with himself. Because they came back and they reported, we caught it on tape. Ooh, it's all over YouTube. It's the rage. King, you ought to see what Daniel's doing. He's praying to his God. And I think that the king probably had this might date myself. He might have had a doop. I could have had a V8. He had a duck moment where he's like, oh, brother, why didn't I see this coming? That says here in verse 14, he was displeased with himself. He knew he had made a big, terrible mistake. And he set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. And he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. He thought of every strategy. He thought of every way that he could get Daniel out of this mess. But of course, those evil guys, they were holding him to that decree. They came and they said, nope, you signed it. So it has to be so. Verse 16. So the king, regrettably so, I'm sure, He gave the command, and they brought Daniel, cast him into the den of lions. But the king spoke, saying to Daniel, this is a statement of faith, your God, whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. The king had seen God active, alive, well, strong, in Daniel's life, and he spoke words of deliverance. Then it goes on down here in verse 17. Then it, well, we'll, we can skip 17. That's how they threw him in the lion's den. They put a stone there in verse 18. Verse 18, now the king went to his palace. He spent the night fasting. No musicians were brought before him. Also, his sleep went from him. He's up all night. 
Oh God, God did something, delivered Daniel. He's worried, he's concerned, he's mad at himself for signing this degree. But what was Daniel doing? Verse 20. The next morning he rose up early, the king. And when he came to the den, he cried out with a lamenting voice to Daniel. The king spoke saying, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually. I find that so interesting because that's what he said in the previous verse. The God whom you serve continually is going to deliver you. There's something about consistency in our walk with Christianity that speaks to people. Amen. So he said, you've been serving him continually. Has he been able to deliver you from the lion's den? Then Daniel said to the king, verse 21, O king, live forever. Then don't you love this, verse 22. Well, that was a sign right there that he wasn't eaten up. My God, sent what? What are we talking about? My God sent his angel. And he shut the lion's mouth so that they could not hurt me because I was found innocent before him. And also, O king, I have done no wrong before you. Faith. Hallelujah. He had faith in him, in the power of God. And he knew his heart was right before God. He knew he was serving the true and the living God. Isn't it interesting that the king was up all night because he didn't know God. He saw God in Daniel's life. But Daniel was asleep in the lion's den, full of peace. Hallelujah. He, he slept on the promises of God and he also had a fluffy lion pillow to lay his head on at rest and at peace. Hallelujah. How did that deliverance come? The angel of the Lord shut the lion's mouth. As I was reading that, it just came up inside of me that there are times that people come against us You might find yourself in a boardroom full of false accusations. You might be called into your boss's office and it's just lies and it's false accusations. But you know what? In a situation like that, if you're like Daniel, he said, I'm innocent. I have done no wrong. Then you can say, Lord, send your angels and shut their mouth. If the angel of the Lord can shut a natural lion's mouth, he can shut the mouth of your accusers. It wouldn't be the first time that an evil man, an evil woman went dumb. So you can just say it and and declare it if you need to claim it. Shut their mouth in the name of Jesus. Send an angel that they just all of a sudden can't talk. They can't get out those lies. They can't get out. Those accusations. Hallelujah. Anybody take some encouragement from that? It reminds me of Isaiah chapter 54 verse 7 that says, No weapon formed against us. Hallelujah. 54 17. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue which rises up against you in judgment you shall condemn. Every tongue that rises up against you in judgment you can say, Angels of the Lord... Shut their mouth. These words are not going to prosper. God sent his angels to shut a lion's mouth. He'll send his angels to shut the mouths of false accusers against you 
against the body of Christ. And you know what happened? The rest of the, the rest of the story, the rest of the story is that those men that had all of these lies against Daniel and were trying to stir something up and to get him out of favor with the king and get him killed in the lion's den. Well, the king, the tables were turned. That happened numerous times in the Bible. When those that rose up against the righteous with false accusations, many times the tables were turned. We know what happened to Haman. He was, he was hung on the gallows that he built for Mordecai. And in this case, those guys were, and their families were thrown into that lion den that he got, wanted to get Daniel thrown into. And you know, those lions were hungry. They hadn't had a bite all night. They couldn't even open their mouth. And those men and their families were quickly devoured. The plot they had against him came upon them. Woo, I wouldn't touch God's anointed if I was them. Touch not God's anointed. Do them no harm. Woo-hoo-hoo. And so the king, it was a revelation to him again that Daniel's God is the true and the living God. And he made this decree. we got to read this decree. Starting in verse 26. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, men must tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and steadfast forever. His kingdom is the one with which shall not be destroyed. And his dominion shall endure to the end. Verse 27. And he delivers and he rescues. Everybody say, he delivers. And he rescues. And he worked signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. Who has delivered Daniel from the power of the lions? Woo! I think we ought to take a shout break right there. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. We serve the same God of Daniel. We serve the same God that delivered and rescued him out of the lion's den. And he will deliver and he shall rescue us out of any snare of the enemy, out of any false plot, scheme, evil, wickedness set against us. Our God is a delivering God. Our God is a rescuing God. Hallelujah. He delivers us through his word through his name through the blood of the lamb and if necessary he sends angelic help to deliver and to rescue us hallelujah guess what folks you can't lose with the stuff we use you can't lose standing on the word of God you can't use declaring the name that is above every name you can't lose pleading the blood of Jesus. You can't lose giving the angels charge to encamp around about you in all of your ways. I feel like saying, take that devil. Ha, ha, ha. Lions couldn't eat Daniel. Evil, wicked plots are not going to hurt or harm us in any way, fashion, or form. Can I get an amen? amen? Can you stand another one, few stories here? Hallelujah. So we see those that judged Daniel were judged. Now there's another account that we want to look at tonight. This shows us that angels are mighty in battle. 
Just, just Google the angels of the Lord, angel of the Lord, and see how many incidents you can see in the scriptures. Google it, look it up in Strong's, and you'll find numerous ones. I just picked out a couple in the Old Testament, a couple in the New. But this account of angels being mighty in battle. In 2 Kings chapter 19, the king of Assyria, he had a plan to destroy Jerusalem. Let me just say right here, Dumb idea. Dumb idea then, dumb idea now to try to destroy Jerusalem, to try to come against God's chosen people. We are instructed in the Word of God to bless. Israel to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, not for their destruction, not that they'd be judged, to pray that God's covenant with them would stand and would last. God doesn't like it when people come against His people. The people of Israel are His chosen people. But you and I, we're in the family of God. We're His chosen people. We're a royal priesthood. Hallelujah. And they don't like it when people try to mess with us either. So this king obviously wasn't super smart. Dumb idea. He woke up one day and said, let's go take Jerusalem. Well, let's see what God had to say about that. 2 Corinthians chapter 19, verse 32. 2 Kings. I don't know what I said, but it is Kings. 2 Kings 19, 32. Therefore, Thus says the Lord concerning the king of Assyria. He shall not come into this city. Woo! That just makes me happy right there. We need to speak that over Jerusalem. That those that have evil plots and plans and intentions, they shall not come into that city. Terrorism shall not reign in Jerusalem. He shall not come into this city, nor shoot an arrow there. Nor come before it with a shield, nor build a siege mount against it. Verse 33. By the way that he came, by the same shall he return, and he shall not come into this city, says who? Says who? Then what else did the Lord say about Jerusalem? And this is still the word of the Lord over Jerusalem. For I will defend this city to save it for my own sake and for my servant David's sake. God is still defending His city today. We are exhorted, like we said, to bless Israel, to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, that God will act on their behalf and that His covenant will be established in their midst and that every inch of land that He said belonged to them, they shall possess it. In Jesus' name, amen? Now verse 35. So here's this stupid king saying, oh, let's just go up. What do you think? Let's just go up and let's siege Jerusalem. Let's just take the city of God. I don't think so. Verse 35. And it came to pass on a certain night that the angel of the Lord went out 
And he killed in the camp of the Assyrians 185,000. I find it interesting. I don't even know if he had buddies that helped him. It just says the angel of the Lord. Wow. Killed in the camp of the Assyrians, 185,000. And when the people arose in the morning, there were the corpses all dead. I think it's kind of funny, actually. God didn't kill the king. He allowed the king to wake up and see his mighty army of 185,000 dead as a doornail. The angel of the Lord took care of business. I guess the king had a little bit sense because in verse 36, So King Sennacherib, king of Assyria, he departed and he went away. He returned home and he remained in Nineveh. I guess so. At least he wasn't dumb and dumber and didn't get up and try to do something on his own. When all of his men were dead, he left. The angel of the Lord, mighty, strong, able to deliver. The people in Jerusalem didn't have to lift a sword. They didn't have to do a thing. This camp of 185,000 soldiers were outside their gates. I don't know for how long. They didn't lose one person. They didn't lift one spear. You know what happened? The Lord fought their battle for them. There are times in our life when the Spirit of God will say to you, Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. There are times that you may hear in your heart, like the prophets in so many incidents through the Bible heard, The battle is not yours. The battle is not yours is mine. They saw it over and over and over again that God came to their rescue, that God supernaturally delivered them. These stories are not in the Bible to make good bedtime stories for little Christian kids. These stories are in the Bible for us to learn from, for us to say, me too. If God did it for them, if he needs to do it for me, then I'm going to call on that mighty host of angels. Hey, all we need is one angel of the Lord. Apparently, one angel of the Lord took care of business. Strong, mighty to deliver are these angelic beings sent to minister for those who shall be heirs of salvation. That's you. That's me. Psalms 103.20, I believe it was. They hearken unto the voice of our word. When we speak the word of God, it commissions them to act on our behalf. Hallelujah! Woo! What a mighty victory was won that day. The battle is not yours. The battle is the Lord's. Praise God. Now let me see here. I want to... I think we'll do this. We got time. God's good, isn't he? And this is awesome to hear all these accounts in the Word of God. 
I mentioned this book last week, and um, uh, yeah, I'm, yeah, we'll go with this. We'll go with this. There's, a, there's several stories in here, eyewitness accounts that Pastor Mark Brzee has in this book, who is a credible man, and these are credible accounts. I know sometimes people say, well, that's subject, subjective, it's speculation, but you know, when you have people that are credible, you can believe what they say. They have, he has a woman in his church who is a police officer. She's part of their security team, and she gives this account that uh, one night she was out patrolling by herself. And she saw this car in this parking lot. And on the inside of her, the Spirit of God said, follow that car. So she just followed that prompting and followed the car. And then she heard, you know, you need to arrest this person. Well, he hadn't done anything. And you can't just pull somebody over for improbable cause. And all of a sudden, he made some sort of illegal turn. And he was speeding, just doing different things. So she had probable cause. So she stopped him. This woman is only like five foot tall, little, little woman in the natural. And so she's sitting there in the police car by herself, and she pulls this guy over. As she's sitting there, she's radio on, on her radio, and she said, send backup, send backup. And then when she saw this guy get out of the car, she was like, really, send backup. <laughs> He was like 6'4", six, 6'5", six, and just a massive person. She's sitting in her car thinking, wow, I know I'm going to have to get out sooner or later, but when he sees how little I am, this is not going to be good. And as he gets out of his car, he pulls back his jacket, and she can see that he's packing. You know what packing means, right? He's got guns. And she's thinking, oh, dear Lord, this is really not good. And so she says, Lord, what have you gotten me into? And the Lord just says to her, He'll he'll show her what to do. So as I walked up to him, I said to headquarters on my radio again, is there backup on the way? (laughs) But the dispatcher said, I'm trying. The guy heard her say, is there backup on the way? And he said, uh, he said, how did he say this? He said, what's wrong with the one that you have? And she thought, well... There must be something that I am not seeing here. But she said all of a sudden he looked up above her and his eyes got as big as 50 cent pieces. She said it was obvious that the man was not intoxicated, so she knew that he wasn't hallucinating. His eyes got huge. And then he said, um, he said, yeah, what's wrong with the one that you have? And then she said, I heard myself say, oh, he's a rookie and he likes to fight. Just hearing myself say that, I said, what? And then the man replied, well, I sure wouldn't mess with him. So she continued to, she's got to get the guy in handcuffs, this and that. And, of course, all of this stuff, she, she runs a rap sheet on him. And she said it's longer than she is tall. And she begins to look in his car. He's got weapons everywhere, all sorts of illegal things in his automobile. But he fully cooperates with her, this little bitty woman. No backup came yet. She says, you're going to have to spread your legs. You're going to have to. And so he just did everything she said the whole time, looking up. Above her head, she gets him in handcuffs, the whole thing. After she has him handcuffed and he's standing there by the side of the road, after I finished patting the guy down, he looked over my shoulder and he said, apparently to the angel that he was seeing, Boy, 
I know you didn't walk into the uniform shop and pick up that uniform off the shelf. You're way too big. I know they didn't make them that big. Where did you get that uniform? Is it special made? Then the man looked at me, because the angel apparently was just staring at him, not saying anything. He said, he doesn't talk, talk much, does he? <laughs> to which I heard myself reply, he doesn't need to. <laughs> the man's eyes were huge as he looked at the angel. And he did whatever I wanted him to do. He did it because the presence of God was with me in the form of an angel. And I realized that I had the only backup I would ever need. Hallelujah! (laughs) Angelic assistance. Angelic deliverance. Hallelujah! Isn't that awesome? Now let's go over into the New Testament. I look at a couple of stories here. This was a great story. God sent his angel to help this lady cop get a violent criminal into jail. In the New Testament, God sent his angel to get his apostles out of jail. (laughs) And we'll look at a count over here in Acts chapter 5. First off, the apostles were thrown into jail. If you look in verse 12 of Acts chapter 5, the, through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. So they were having miraculous things happen. People were getting healed. People were getting delivered. The gospel was going forth, was being preached. You'd think the whole city would be glad. And the city was glad, except... For the religious leaders, the Sadducees were not glad. So they again stirred up some stuff. Let's look at verse 17. Then the high priest rose up and all those who were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees. I heard somebody say they're sad, you see, because they don't believe. Anyway. And they were filled with indignation. They laid their hands on the apostles and they put them in the common prison. Everybody say, but... But, verse 19, but at night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, what did he say? Go, stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. The angel showed up, brought them out of the prison, and he said, keep preaching. Go right back from the place they arrested you and keep preaching the message of life. Keep preaching the gospel. Hallelujah. And then it goes on and it tells us, that in, you'll read down in that passage, that the officers and that the Sadducees, the next morning when they got up and they expected the apostles, Peter and the apostles, to be in jail, and instead they're out there in the square preaching the gospel. So the Sadducees, they get irate. They go to the officers and they say, we put them in jail. We told you to secure the jail. How did they get out? They all run over to the jail. And this was unusual. God likes to do things unusual and unlikely. And he doesn't do things the same way ever. He just likes to mix it up a little bit. Keep people guessing, I guess. So they go over there and here the jail was completely secured. The doors, the inner and the outer doors were locked. 
But the prisoners were gone. Preaching the gospel. The angels of the Lord showed up and delivered them out of the jail. Hallelujah. Isn't that awesome? Now we have another account over in Acts chapter 12. Again, I'm just highlighting a few of these. I just get blessed reading the word of God and all these things. But over in Acts chapter 12, this is when Peter was arrested on his own. We'll look at verse 5. Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. And when Herod was about to bring him out, that night Peter was sleeping. Here we had Daniel asleep on the fluffy lion pillow in the den. Now we got Peter. He's in jail. His hands and his feet are in chains. He's not crying. He's not moaning. He's asleep. Full of the peace of God. He's bound with two chains and he's between two soldiers. Probably using one of them for a pillow. And there were guards before the door. They were keeping the prison. I mean, Herod was serious. He saw that it pleased the Jews that he had Peter arrested. And he's like, oh, goody. I'm going to kill him. I'm going to get some brownie points. I'm going to get real popular. So, man, he made sure. He had, it says in one passage, he had four squadron of soldiers guarding that prison, guarding that jail. He had Paul chained up. He's like, I mean, Peter, he's like, there's no way he is getting out. But notice in verse 5, we read that, the phrase, constant prayer was offered for him. Amen. There is power in prayer. Amen. We're going to do some prayer here in just a little bit. Amen. Prayer provides power. It gives God access. It gives him entrance to act on behalf of those we are praying for. Because the church was in constant prayer on behalf of Peter, God showed up and brought deliverance. This is how the deliverance came this time. Verse 7. Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him. And a light shone in the prison, and he struck Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise quickly, and his chains fell off. The angel brought light into a dark place. He had to wake him up. He was so full of peace. The chains fell off. Now let's look at verse 8. Then the angel said to him, Gird yourself, tie on your sandals, and so he did. And he said to him, Put on your garment and follow me. So he went out and he followed him and did not know that what was done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. He was really in a sound sleep, apparently. He thought it was a vision. He couldn't even believe it was real. But when they had passed the first, passed the first and the second guard post, they came to an iron gate that leads to the city. The angel could have just taken him right through there, but this time he opened it up of its own accord. They went out and went down one street, and immediately the angel departed from him. And when Peter had come to himself, he said, 
Now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and has delivered me from the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the Jewish people. Another time to say glory. Hallelujah. Y'all aren't getting bored with these stories, are you? You're not getting bored with the fact that the angels of the Lord will deliver you in a tough spot. That the angels of the Lord can open any kind of prison door and set the captives free. Hallelujah. Glory to God. God's got ways and means to break every chain. Peter was chained up with natural chains, but the angels just broke those chains off. And he was set free. And he was delivered. God's got angels that are available to help us in every situation and in all of our affairs. Now this Psalms 91 is an awesome psalm of protection. We're not going to take time to read the whole psalm. You know it well. If you don't, you should. You should be declaring the words of this psalm over you and your family on a regular basis. But we will look at a few verses tonight. We'll begin at verse 9. Because you have made the Lord, who is your refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place. I have a question for you. Have you made the Lord God your Lord? Are you dwelling in the secret place? of the Most High? Are you connected to the vine? Hallelujah. Are you living in Him and He is living in you? Then you qualify for this next verse. No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. Hallelujah. Let's read verse 11 together. For He shall give His angels charge over you. To keep you in all your ways. Hallelujah. He shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. And then verse 12, we'll look at it too. In their hands they shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against a stone. They must have some pretty big hands that they're going to bear you up. In their hands. Hallelujah. The angel of the Lord took care of 180,000 soldiers. The angel of the Lord will bear you up. The angels of the Lord will protect us from any kind of plague. From any kind of tragedy. From any kind of terrorist attack. From any kind of earthquake. Natural thing that may happen in the Bay Area. If we will abide under the shadow of the Almighty... And if we will say, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge. He's my refuge. And He has given His angels charge over me. What does it mean to give somebody charge, to put them in charge? It means you're saying, I want you to watch over this situation. I want you to watch over this person. If you left somebody, a babysitter with your kids, and you said, I'm leaving you in charge, what are you saying? I want you to be protective. I want you to be active. I want you to be alert. I want you to defend and guard and protect my child, God says, I've given my angels charge over you to defend you, to guard, to keep, 
and to protect you. Aren't you glad that our Heavenly Father has assigned them for us to guard, protect, and to defend? Now let's look at a couple of last scriptures here. Psalms 34, verse 7. I want to read it first out of the NLT. For the angel of the Lord is a guard. Everybody say that with me. Let's read it together. For the angel of the Lord is a guard. He surrounds and defends all who fear him. Is that you? Do you fear and reverence the Lord? Amen. Hallelujah. You know, you may not be able to pay a security guard 24-7 to watch over you, your family, your property, but you have a guard. You have an angelic guard that will surround and defend and protect you 24-7. Amen? Now, let me show you that passage out of God's Word translation. The messenger of the Lord camps around those who fear Him and He rescues them. He rescues them. Hallelujah. I'm going to close with one more story here. I know it's getting late, but I I just had all of this so big on the inside of me. Y'all receiving the word? This was related to me by another person who I know is very credible, Lynette Hagen. And I want to read this to you about the angel of the Lord rescuing us, delivering us, protecting us. It's all in here. A young missionary on furlough told this incredible story while he was visiting his home church in Michigan. While serving at a small field hospital in Africa, every two weeks he had to travel by bicycle through the jungle to the nearby city for supplies. This journey would take two days, requiring him to camp overnight at the halfway point. On one of these journeys, I arrived in the city where I planned to collect money from the bank, buy the medicines and supplies, and then began my two-day journey home back into the field hospital. Upon arrival in the, ho- in the city, he encountered these two men fighting, and one was seriously injured. So he offered help. He, he gave them some medicine and treated their injuries. Upon arrival... I'm trying to speed through this, so I better just read it. Anyhow, two weeks later, I repeated my journey. Upon arriving in the city once again, I was approached by the young man I had treated. He told me that he and his friends had known that I carried money and medicines, and they had decided that they were going to follow me into the jungle, knowing I would have to camp overnight, that we planned to kill you, take your money and your medicines. But just as we were about to move into your camp, we saw that you were surrounded by 26 armed guards. At this, the missionary laughed and said, I certainly was not. I was all alone out at that jungle campsite. The young man pressed the point, however, and said, No, sir, I was not the only person that saw the guards. My five friends and I saw them and we counted them. There were 26. And when we saw them, we were afraid and we left you alone. At this point of the missionary relaying this story at his home church in Michigan, one of the men in the congregation jumped up to his feet. He interrupted the missionary and he asked if he could tell him the exact day that this had happened. The missionary told the congregation the date. 
The man who had interrupted him told him this story. On the night of your incident in Africa, it was morning here. And I was preparing to go play golf. I was about to putt when I felt the urge to pray for you. In fact, the urging began to grow so strong that I called men in the church to meet me here in the sanctuary to pray for you. Would all of those men who met with me to pray on that day please stand up? The men who had met together to pray that day stood up. The missionary wasn't concerned with who they were. He was too busy counting how many he saw. There were 26. Woo! Hallelujah! (laughs) Woo! Their prayers released their angels to go and to surround that missionary. Glory to God. Do you know that your prayers can release angelic protection around people. Let's all stand. We're going to do some of that right now. Hallelujah.